Have you ever gotten your message lost in translation? Launched a well-thought-out content on social media only to get lost in the noise? Welcome to the Moving Beyond Acronyms Podcast. We are here to help you with practical tools to find your voice, craft shareable content, stand out in the marketplace, expand your tribe, and convert followers into ambassadors or customers. I'm Torrent, your host, a message master that's helped leaders, entrepreneurs, and businesses ignite their message with lasting impact. Each week, we will go behind the scenes to share real and deep conversations with the most prominent message masters on how they took an idea and crafted content that have trended to the stratosphere, boosted the bottom line, and improved the world around them. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Moving Beyond Acronyms podcast. I'm your host, Torrid. The day is finally here. I've talked about launching a podcast for years to my friends and family. Never got around to it. I always said tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll have time, but tomorrow never came. Until this past month, when a quote popped up on my Facebook feed. When I was in bed, late morning, browsing Facebook, Twitter, and the news sites, not wanting to get up, not having to get up, because of the quarantine. As you know, COVID-19 has ushered in unprecedented times with self-isolation, social distancing, and lockdown. There is no sense of normalcy. And frankly, it has demotivated me. So the quote read, if you do not come out of this lockdown with a new skill, more knowledge, better fitness, you never lack time. You lack discipline. Ouch, did that hit me hard? It inspired me to get out of my lazy state, no more excuses, and force me to create a protective shield around me from all the negativity, limit my social media usage, and promise myself only to go online one hour per day. I've not quite done that, but I'm close to it. And also to be present with people, use my time wisely. So I asked myself, what skill can I get out of this quarantine? The answer is launch a podcast, the podcast that you've always said you're going to do tomorrow. So thanks to my producer, Ginny at Ginny Media and mentor, Michelle Soro, who is a top 10 podcaster, fire and soul about personal development. And it's a great podcast. I recommend it. It's great dosage of reflection insights. And Ginny also has several podcasts. And I just want to thank them both for shepherding me through this process and making this podcast a reality. So who is this podcast for? Well, it's for anyone who feels that their message gets lost in translation or not able to generate the outcome they desire. The reason we get lost in translation with our message is this. We assume that our friends, family, coworkers, boss, our clients, our social media followers know exactly what we mean. We assume that they interpret things the same way we do. We assume that we've been clear enough. Shown that we care, show empathy enough, and we assume that we repeat enough times to get our message across. Unfortunately, oftentimes we're in a bubble of our own jargon, a bubble of our own language. And the result many times is that we have not been clear enough with our message. We think we have, but we haven't. And what is worse, we don't even know that we haven't been clear. So we go about our business of the day, assuming that others will do exactly what we intended as a result of what we said in our messaging. And when they fail to deliver on what we expected, we're disappointed. I remember 10 years ago when I was offshore on an oil rig, part of filming a documentary on the process of finding oil. It was called A Hunt for the Black Gold. And it was kind of like an oil exploration for dummies. 
And I was trying to learn about the process. And when I was on the rig, I kept hearing all these words. String, surface casing, coiled tubing string, casing string, drill pipe, liner, lower completion, tubing, riser, casing, surface casing, intermediate casing, production casing. What do all these words mean? I was confused. I was trying to follow the process so that the viewers of our documentary would understand it. So I sat down with a drilling engineer and explain to me what's going on. Because what I was seeing was all these pipes were going down the drill hole. And when he's going there, showing all of this, showing the process, I was like, oh my gosh, all of the words that I just mentioned to you were a pipe. Production case, intermediate case, lower completion tubing, they're pipes. And for this podcast, I just wanted to confirm all these words were actually pipes. So I asked my friend, Ragni, who's a drilling engineer, and she said, there's probably more than 10 ways to say pipe. She admitted that it's not always self-explanatory to the outsider, but for the insider, each pipe has a different attribute, a different meaning. For instance, conductor is the first pipe to go down the drill hole. It's confusing to us from the outside, but it makes all sense for the people in the inside, inside the bubble of the oil and gas drilling exploration. So ask yourself, how many words do you use that would not be understood by your family and friends from your work? So Moving Beyond Acronyms Podcast is here to help all to understand our jargon, be mindful of our biases, and help us to break free from our acronyms and be better at communicating our message. So the goal of this broadcast is to inspire you, to enlighten you with fun stories, good and bad examples on messaging, and after each podcast, provide practical tools that you can apply in your daily life on moving beyond the acronyms of your life and find real words to touch people's hearts and ignite the action you desire. What will we cover? I will be interviewing the message masters, as I like to call it. And it's anyone that has accomplished extraordinary results by using the right words for their industry or within the sphere of their influence. This can be good examples as well as not so good. We'll go back in time and unpack what they did, how did they do it, and the lessons learned. We'll talk to engineers, authors, nurses, hairdressers, doctors, carpenters, psychologists, receptionists, CEOs, business owners, entrepreneurs, coaches, and influencers. And we'll also talk to experts like the marketing professionals, communications professionals, advertising agencies, branding experts, anyone that can help unlock how they ignited action with words. Background about me. My mentor, Michelle, recommended I talk about me. And I know when I listen to podcasts that I want to learn about the host. Scroll down to the first episode, get to listen to their monologue or the framework of what their podcast is all about. But this is a stretch for me to talk about myself. I'm usually behind the scenes supporting someone else by writing, creating strategy or directing an operation. So I have to thank my dearest high school friend, Christy Russell, my brother, Jason Brin, and Ragni Ahatlabuck for guiding me and highlighting to me what they thought was interesting about my life. As I say, we all need editors, someone to help improve our message. So looking back on my life, I was trying to find things about me that relate to the podcast. I believe one reason that I'm interested in languages is that I was brought up with two languages, two cultures, and worked in two countries. This has given me firsthand experience of the limitations of words one language can have. 
I was born in Orange, New Jersey. My mom and dad are both Norwegian. They both were very adventurous and traveled to the U.S. and they met each other here, got married in Norway. And from my childhood onward, we traveled back and forth, having a home in both places. My home base for the last 10 years have been in Norway with yearly visits to the U.S., but right now I'm living temporarily in Kanab, Utah. And the reason why I'm in Utah is that I was on a consulting assignment that ended right when COVID-19 hit and right when the U.S. borders were closed. So I'm now by the beautiful Red Mountains, close to famous parks of Bryce Canyon, Zions National Park, and Lake Powell. I have not been there yet because of the lockdown. I hope to soon. And I'm staying with these wonderful hosts, Travis and Gordon, at Canyons Hotel. It is a home away from home and will be here until the lockdown has ended. And if you ever have a chance to go to Kanab, stay at Canyons Hotel. It's just, they got the best food, best service, wonderful hospitality. And one interesting factoid about Kanab is that Westworld was filmed here. And not only that, in the hotel that I'm staying at, Canyons Hotel, this is where the actors stayed. So to conclude, I'm truly rooted in both countries. If you asked for me to choose between Norway and the U.S., I couldn't. And that is with my family. We truly love both countries. And the ideal year for us is when we have traveled and been in both. I am bilingual. I have no accent in either languages. But my heart language, as I call it, the language that I prefer to write and speak is English. Being so ingrained in two languages and seeing the limitation of one language, our family created our own language, the Bryn language, which is basically Norwegian-American. There are just some words you cannot translate. And it was so funny because when my brother and I were talking about the cat podcast, we just couldn't stop laughing how our family peppers in English words when we speak Norwegian and vice versa. We can go from one whole paragraph in English with a little bit of Norwegian and then a whole paragraph in Norwegian with a little bit of English. And this really becomes pro problematic when we are in the U.S. because Americans do not know Norwegian. Norwegians know English, so it's much easier to have that kind of process in Norway, but not in the U.S. And I remember when I was a kid and our friends were coming around the kitchen, I was talking to my mom, and this is in the U.S., and we were talking back and forth, and of course there comes to Norwegian words in there, and they have no idea what we're talking about. To give an example of this is, for instance, in Norway, you have this amazing word called kusle. In the U.S., you have this word serendipity. Kusle is a word that is a feeling, it's an action, it's an atmosphere, all into one word. And if you look online, many people have written and are astounded by this word having so much meaning. And uh, take a look, it's really interesting. And kusle, to define it and go in depth, is laughing in a cafe with your closest friends. It's intimacy and love, it's warmth and comfort. It's like warming your feet by the fireplace. It's candlelight on a dark night or day. It's cuddling with your significant other under blanket while sitting outside, sipping wine and looking at the stars or cuddling on the couch while watching Netflix. And it can be as simple as lighting candles. Kusli means all of that. The closest word to this is coziness in English, but it really only encompasses 50% of the meaning. It doesn't have all of those wonderful feeling and action and atmosphere as Kusli has. Serendipity is an English word that it's close to the word in Norwegian called tilfellighet, which is chance. But serendipity is so much more. 
It is being at the right place at the right time with the right people so that wonderful things happen. The serendipitous moments only happen when we're open to the possibility. And what that means is that serendipity has this little component that you have to be optimistic, hopeful, and have a positive attitude that each day you're open to the serendipitous moment. And chance or tilfelivit just doesn't have that little component, which I really like. So think about your family. What words do you use that no one else really understands? It might not be as extreme as our brain language, but you might have been on a vacation and together experienced a wonderful thing. And just a simple word triggers all of this thing. So one year, two years, five years later, when you're all sitting around the table and you hear that word, you laugh. And then someone that's sitting there that didn't have that experience will never understand the meaning of that word as you do. Think about it. I bet you have some of those words. Second reason I'm interested in messaging is the journey to find a way to define my career in elevator pitch. My father would laugh and say, your job sounds so exciting, but I have no idea what you do because he was confused. And many and many of my friends were because I was not boxed into being a doctor, accountant or engineer. I would tell my father, dad, I'm a problem solver. And he would laugh because what does that really mean? So the common denominator in the work that I have done has been driven by a passion to serve and to leave the world a little bit better place. Originally, I was an economics major, but when I took a class with Dr. Ashley Woodowis on political science at Wheaton College, my whole direction of my life changed. I realized I'm an idealist. I wanted to incorporate my vision into my work. In what better place to serve than in Washington, D.C.? So I went to D.C. and I've worked in think tanks, polling firm, nonprofit. I was a press secretary in the U.S. Congress. I was part of directing dialogues in Peru, Chile, Malaysia, Philippines and China. I've been working on documentaries on the Middle East process, been a researcher on topics such as neuroscience, healthcare, taxes and foreign affairs, as well as being a copy editor and researcher for articles and nonfiction books, including a bestseller. During this time in my career, I never had to look for a job. I was privileged that opportunities just presented itself and that fit my vision. And I said yes to the opportunity. I was there to make the world a better place. And depending upon the assignment, my roles changed. As a result, I've been a writer, producer, event director, webmaster, designer, cartoonist, photographer, executive director. It was never about the role. It was about to solve the issue at hand. I loved what I did. I did not follow a specific career track, and I would definitely recommend no one following my career path. But at the same time, I loved every minute of, minute of what I did. However, after 10 years working like this, I longed for something more tangible, a role that I could hang my hat on. At the same time, I was presented with an opportunity to move to New York to work in the media and entertainment industry. I decided to move for a change of scenery and provide a new perspective on what I wanted to focus on. I lasted for about a year in the entertainment industry and went back to work at World Vision, one of the world's largest uh, organizations serving the poor, and was helping them direct awareness events on AIDS, as well as helping with develop their website, Vision Fund, which is a microfinancing bank. After a year, my feet were itching. I wanted more variety. So I decided to step out and consult. At first, it was easy because my assignments I got within my network. They knew my work. And they knew who I was. But when I expanded to get new clients, I had to sell my services. 
I could not say, like I said to my father, I solve problems. Because the client will ask, well, what does that mean? So I got help from a career consultant and he asked me, what is your brand? And I thought, well, companies were branded, not people. My brand? What is my brand? I never thought of myself as a brand. I'd abbreviated my experience into, I solve problems. But when I reflected on my career so far, I kind of did brand leaders. I have, in fact, helped leaders and politicians and organizations with framing their issue, position them in the media. We just didn't call it branding. And it might not be the right word. It's probably public relations, but never really used any of these words. And now I needed to brand myself, a way to differentiate me from the countless of other consultants. What I learned through this process with this career consultant is that the messenger is just as important as the message. You cannot be all things to all people. And to be an effective messenger, you need to stand for something. And as a career consultant said to me, you should have a vision for your life and mission. I did have that. But he also went on and said, you should think of yourself as a product. How do you want your clients to experience you? How do you want them to view you and your services? It was a lot to think about. And the aha moment came to me when I went to a lecture on strategy at Columbia University. I met the Dean Trudy Baldwin and found out about the study called Strategic Communications. It was a new study in response to the increased usage of social media and businesses. And in fact, I found out I could also get a master's in it. And I thought, wow, I think this is me in a nutshell. Throughout my career, yes, I solved problems. But what problems were I solving? I was solving developing the right message at the right time, at the right place, for the right target audience to get the right results. Strategic communications. I got so passionate and started calling myself immediately. I'm a strategic communication specialist. It's not the same as a doctor or lawyer, but for me, it gave me a role, a foundation, and a brand, and a way to tie almost everything I have done in a nice bow. And eventually later, I got my master's in it at Columbia University. This newfound confidence opened up many doors, and I ended up with heading up the strategic communications department for a global oil services company. And really, it was because I was the message. I was so confident and excited that it was infectious and other people just thought it was great and opened the doors for me. So lastly, Michelle recommended that I explain what was the defining moment for starting this podcast. And it is encapsulated in one word, Safari. Started in 2016 when I won the job as a communications director of Gus Nova, which is part of the Norwegian government with its mission to realize a climate technology called CCS. I say one because to my surprise, all the candidates were listed like contestants in a newspaper before they had even selected the person. And my name was included. This had never happened to me before. And then when I won the job, I was profiled in the newspaper and local radio as the new communications director of Gusnova. So my major assignment at Gusnova was to generate interest for this acronym, CCS. How do I get the media to want to write about CCS? One of the world's most important climate solutions that few have ever heard of. And what does CCS stand for? Well, it stands for carbon, capture, and storage. 
It is basically a technological process for removing CO2 from the atmosphere and then return it back into the ground where it came from. What I like to say is we return the CO2 that is causing the challenges with with climate change back to Mother Nature. Why is it so important? Well, in fact, we cannot solve the climate change in a cost-effective manner without this technology. International Energy Association states that CCS if fully realized, can take out 20% of all CO2 in the atmosphere. I'm going to repeat that. If fully realized, CCS can take out 20% of all CO2 in the atmosphere. And that this would come from 90% of all the CO2 emitted from the manufacturing industry. So when CCS can basically save the world from climate change, why have so few people heard of it? We know about too much plastic in the ocean is not good for the environment, but we don't know about CCS. I would say it's because the sector's riddled with acronyms. So when I started Gus Nova, the first thing I wanted to do was change the name. But you cannot just change a name because it's the name of the industry and technology. So the question became, how do we move beyond the acronym and find a way to get the media, politicians, and public interested in CCS? To get help, I partnered with Professor Peggy Brunn, the director of the Center for Corporate Communications at BI Norwegian Business School, which is one of the leading business schools in Scandinavia. We became a member of the center, uh, Gus Novadet, and hosted workshop with leaders within the industry. And the conclusion of the workshop was, we all agreed. We need to be more creative, find a new way to communicate this technology, and generate some media interest. Now, side night for you business owners or you that are working in a corporation, what I'd really recommend you consider is partnering with the university or the college locally, the communications department or the marketing department and work with them. Because what they have is they know the best practices and they're always on the cutting edge what's new. And at the same time, you have the case study. And it's such a magical combination when you can work together. And that's what I found working with BI. So before vacation in 2017, I traveled with the CEO of Gasnova, Trudy Sunset, to London. Trudy was going to present in the parliament and on the status of realizing CCS in Norway. And Norway is a world leader within the technology. And so, of course, uh, they wanted to know about, about it in the UK parliament. So when I was there, I met a journalist and I thought, I'll just take a chance and pitch to her to come to Norway, to learn about Norway as a world leader in CCS, learn about the importance of CCS, and hopefully write an article. And I believe because I was about to leave for summer break, I had a little bit different openness to all of it. And one great benefit in Norway is that you can take three weeks off from vacation. And because I was thinking more about Greece than anything else, I was a bit more giddy and daring. And I said to her, why not join us for a CCS safari? Just popped into my mind. And I, I just kept on. I said, you're going to touch, feel, experience. You're going to travel. You're going to learn about uh, waste management CCS. You're going to learn about cement factories in CCS. You're going to meet politicians. And I just went blah, 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 blah. And just try to create some kind of enthusiasm and excitement around it. I gave her my card and didn't think anything more of it. The following day, I got an email from her and she wrote, You know, this is the first time an editor is ever giving me a permission to leave the UK to report on an issue. And I'm really excited to come and learn about CCS in Norway. And I was like, wow, when you get this interest from one journalist this fast, can we get more journalists? And sure enough, 
We were able to get the Guardian's editor, uh, actually the Guardian's global environmental editor and Telegraph to come for two and a half days. Now, if you know journalists, this is unprecedented. Journalists are in and out. They're quick. They're efficient. They don't have time. Uh, You're lucky if you get them for 10, 15 minutes. And here we got the Guardian Telegraph two and a half days. Not only that, it's rare for journalists from the UK to come to Norway. It's usually vice versa. And for two and a half days. And what was interesting, when we could tell that they were coming, the Norwegian media like were like, wait, if the Guardian Telegraph are coming to Norway to learn about Norway's work on CCS, we want to join. We want to learn. The result was astounding. We got a dozen journalists going on the safari that went from Oslo to meet with uh, leading politicians on the issue to Fortum Oslo, which is a waste management company, and how they are going to use CCS. We went to Norsham Heidelberg Cement in Breivik, which was showing how the cement industry can, in fact, reduce their CO2 footprint if all cement factories around the world does this by 5%. Take 5% out of the atmosphere. And then you had energy companies like Equinor, Shell, and Total that were showing how they were going to store the CO2, the same place where they extracted the oil. And after the Savari, I would get calls from several organizations around Europe. How did you get this kind of media attention? How did you get these journals to come? While it was a team effort, we all worked together, staff and Trudy and all of us, and we coordinated all the logistics. But I have to say, all credit goes to this one word, safari. So what is it about safari? At first, it angered me, it frustrated me. How could such a simple word generate so much interest? I have worked for many years and have never seen such immediate interest. What was also interesting is that the journalists did not stop at that rudimentary level of safari, talking in simple language. But after two and a half days, they were writing thoughtful, informative pieces on CCS as an important technology to save the planet. I really couldn't stop thinking about the impact of this one word safari. And I continued to partner with Peggy Brenn at BI. We continued to research and tried to find how do we move beyond acronyms and find real words that inspire and ignite action. And this is the reason why I'm here today launching this podcast. I want to learn more from the message masters. And I would really like to find a formula. How can we repeat the safari experience in other industries, in climate? How can we find these words and messages to ignite interest and action, just like the safari, the CCS safari? So one result from our research as of now is that safari as a word evokes optimism, happiness, and it tells a story. Safari is fun. So when you think of a safari, you know that you're getting up at 6.30 a.m. and you will have an exciting day. You might see lions, zebras, and will have an exciting journey. Not caught in the boardroom with a PowerPoint presentation. Safari gave life to an acronym. Even after I left Gasnova, they still hold CCF safaris because it captures people's imagination and interest in wanting to learn about CCS. So what practical lessons can we take from my story? Well, I think it's quite a simple lesson is that I encourage you when you have a message to step out of your bubble and talk to people before you release the message, before you're going to really say something important in whatever format you're going to do. I would really recommend to recruit friends, family, or coworkers to be your editors, to give you feedback. 
When my brother was helping me with this podcast, he reminded me of an incident in 2018 about a big social media that got the world's attention. Was He asked me, are you a Yanny or are you Laurel? So hear this clip. Do you hear Yanny? Laurel. Or Laurel? Laurel. Laurel. So what did you hear? This was a big internet sensation in 2008, where in Twitter, the polling was 47% heard Yanny versus 53% heard Laurel. So my brother and I are from the same family, the same gene pool. I hear Yanny. My brother hears Laurel. So the root of every miscommunication is a misunderstanding of what's being said. We make assumption, what I like to call an acronym or abbreviation, where we take the shortcut and cut corners so we can communicate faster, more effectively. But along the way, we lose the meaning of what we're trying to communicate. So it is key to listen and to move outside of our bubble, outside of the acronyms that we use, and find words that resonate to a greater audience. And what I like to say, to find the real words. And I'll leave you with this, my favorite quote from my boss, Frank Luntz, who has for 30 years changed American politics with words. This is what he says. It's not what you say. It's what people hear. So thank you for listening to episode one. The plan is to launch a podcast once a week. And in the coming episodes, we're going to be covering how did the word pink tax raise a million pounds and followers in less than one week and a few months later change a law in the UK. How does a person with only 400 followers on Instagram use messaging to generate a six-figure income, which is over $100,000? And how does an unknown organization raise $220 million and create a trend worldwide? I'm not sure which one's going to be coming first, but that's what I have in the pipeline. So this is it. Until next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode. How lucky are we that we got to chat to these amazing message masters? Pretty awesome. So if you happen to like it too, share it with your friends and subscribe on your favorite podcast apps. Don't forget to join us next week. And thank you for listening.